Kirby, and you're listening to Cactus Pod. Today is a very special day because we have one of my closest friends, Jasmine Francis, on air with us, and she is currently living in the New York area and working as a vice president in the HR sector. Jazz, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It is such a pleasure to have you today. I cannot tell you how excited I am to talk about today's topic. She's cheesing from ear to ear too. <laughs> Why? I am. I can't through the phone. <laughs> you both know me so well. <laughs> so everybody, today we're here to talk about natural hair for African American women in the workplace and just the journey that it involves because it is a physical and emotional journey. Jazz, let's start with you and just get your perspective. So for listeners, I have known Jazz for 10 years. We have been close friends since the moment we met. She's an incredible woman, an incredible person, you know, someone that I admire greatly. And so Jazz, can you share with the listeners first what made you go natural? Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate your kind words. And, you know, I think the exact same of you. Really, the biggest part of this was learning to accept myself um, and what that means for me when I'm at work, when I'm not at work, when I'm with my family, when I'm with my friends. How can I continue to show up in a way that's consistent across the board, me being the truest version of myself? And one of the things that I found that was going to be significant for me was showing up to the workplace with my natural hair. And that is a part of me and learning how to be comfortable with that. That's interesting because I remember the first time, do you remember when I saw you years ago? I want mm-hmm. to say it's the first time that you, that was when you began your natural hair journey because you did the big chop. I right? did. And it was beautiful on you, might I add. But you know, that moment, so so you went natural to learn how to accept yourself. That was a part of the reason for the choice. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And, you know, I think I, I, I was in a really interesting space, I think, in my life at that time. That was back in 2014. And I was wearing a lot of, like, weave to work and, you know, having my hair be really, really straight. And I think one day I just decided that I wanted to just start showing up and being a more closer version of who I am so that people around me, especially at work, had a better opportunity to see me for who I was. Mm -hmm. And I really, looking back, I'm like really proud of myself because there was no other reason other than that why I did, you know, the big chop. And, you know, I came back to work, you know, one day they saw me with long straight hair. The next day they saw me with the small little fro mm-hmm. and it was received really really well. I mean so many people loved it. I got so many compliments and 
I'll never forget, there was a girl who sat across from me and she said, wow, what made you do that? And I said, have you ever heard of that song, I Am Not My Hair by mm-hmm. India Ivory? And she said, yes. I said, that is why I did it. That's incredible. That's incredible. You know, I remember because I would call myself a relatively new natural. Um, mm-hmm. I've been natural for two years new and man. yeah. And, you know, initially I had no plans to go natural. To be honest, I hadn't even thought about what my natural hair was like because mm-hmm. I was in the hair salon every week, every two weeks, making sure that every strand was laid. And so, <laughs> so I, I never once thought about what my natural hair was like. And, you know, I think part of it was that when I was growing up, I had to wear my natural hair and it was so much work. That's what I remembered as a child. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so when I had the opportunity to get a relaxer, I felt like I wasn't ever going back. Mm-hmm. And so one day, a couple years ago, someone asked me, she said, you know, Marielle, your hair is really beautiful, but I wonder what it's like when it's natural. And I thought to myself, that is a question I haven't even thought to ask. I had never seen my hair in its natural state. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so then from that point, I decided, you know, I'm, I'm tired of this. I don't want to manipulate my hair in a way anymore, if, if I don't want to, I don't want to feel like I have to. And so this was, this was a time, like you said, to really embrace who I am, to get comfortable with what I look like with my natural hair. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Absolutely love that. And what a profound question. What does my natural hair look like? Mm-hmm. And it's one of those things where there's so many people who, you know, you're born into this world, you have your natural hair, you know what it looks like, you know how to work with it. But for many of us in the African-American community, we started, you know, our parents started giving us relaxers at a very, very young age. So we grow up thinking that our hair is just supposed to be like that. And then the older you get, you realize, wow, I have to go through some pain for this. I got to go to the salon every two weeks, three, Mm -hmm. three to four weeks. I have to get, you know, this, this creamy white substance laid on my scalp. My scalp is burning. It's on fire. But the longer (laughs) it's on fire, the straighter it's going to be. Right. Right. so, (laughs) So you go through that pain just so that you can feel comfortable with your hair so you can make other people feel comfortable with your hair so that you can show up to work with a quote unquote executive presence. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you take a step back and, you know, when someone asks that question to you, it's really thinking, whoa, I actually don't even know what my hair naturally looks like. And Mm -hmm. then it sparks the question, will I be okay with it? What will it look like? How am I going to maintain it? What are other people going to think about me? And those are the things I think when we're transitioning into the natural hair world that, you know, we really have to think about, Are we want to make this change, but are we going to be comfortable with it? And what are other people going to say? Are we going to equally be accepted the same way because our hair looks different this time? You know, I should have known the significance of going natural because My mom, I was actually 15 years old when I got a relaxer. And when I asked her whether I could have a relaxer, she said, you know, Marielle, I do not support this. If you want to get a relaxer, you get a job and pay for it, you know, but I don't support this decision. And so I ignored it. I ran and got that job and 
I supported that relaxer and, you know, but I did not know at the time when I was making that decision, the historical significance behind what I was doing, because we Mm -hmm. know that our hair is not just our hair. Right. For years, black women were required to cover their hair. And we know that California was the first state in the United States to pass the Crown Act legislation right. that prevents discrimination against African-American women for their natural hair. No, that's huge. I mean, I feel like it's, you know, and that's when we start to have the conversations around what society's standard of beauty looks like. And I'm happy to hear that your mom gave you that opportunity to say, you know, you can make the decision if you want to do it or not. Being 15 years old and being so influenced by everything that's happening around you, it's so easy to still want to say, but beautiful is straight hair, but beautiful is, you know, you know, long hair that goes all the way down my back and I can put it in a ponytail Mm -hmm. and it swings and I can do these different things. That's what beauty is and that's what I want. And if I have to go and get a job for it, I will. I would have done the same exact thing. And it actually wasn't until I saw the the documentary Good Hair that I realized how dangerous those chemicals are for our scalp, for our brain. And really understanding what the significance to your point is when it comes to our hair and all the amazing things that it can do. We can make it straight. We can keep it kinky. We can have it curly. We can, you know, it literally Mm -hmm. defies gravity and there's no other type of hair in the world that can defy gravity. What an honor. What a privilege. It is. It truly is. Jazz, can you tell us We know that going natural has been a beautiful journey for both yourself and myself, but can you tell me some of the stereotypes that you feel are often associated with natural hair? Yeah, sure. I mean, you know, I think I want to preface by saying this, that when I was younger, I thought that I could change the texture of my hair Mm -hmm. if I the color of my hair. So I thought if I made my hair turn blonde, mm-hmm. then my texture would change. Oh, that's and interesting. Yeah, that was, it made total sense to me at the time. <laughs> and I very quickly found out that my texture is my texture and no matter the color, it's not going to change. But I wanted people to look at me as beautiful. And I felt like, and I still feel like one of the stereotypes around having, you know, natural hair is that you are potentially angry. You're potentially, you know, not smart enough. You are not organized. I know, especially in a corporate setting, it looks unruly, quote unquote. It looks ill-maintained. It can make it appear as though you aren't the person who's there to run the meeting. You're the person who's getting the coffee for a participant of the meeting. And there's definitely levels of respect that I've experienced when my hair is natural versus when it's not. When my hair is natural, I attract a completely different crowd. When I'm on the streets walking and through New York City, I hear, hey, my beautiful black sister. Mm -hmm. Hey, my lovely queen. And I love that. It feels good when I when my hair is straight. I it's a totally different experience. And yeah. um, you know, even in the workplace, when my hair was straight and I was wearing the weave, everyone was like, "You're so pretty. You're so beautiful. Oh, your hair!" And I mean, I I didn't feel like it was my place to announce that it was a weave, but I was right. definitely clocking 
every single response that I was getting. And then when I came back to work with my hair in a fro, the responses were different. Right. There was new people who had started. I did not get the you're pretty. I did not get any of that. Um, and so I've had to learn. And this is one of the things, I mean, I just think me as a human, I need to do better with is validating myself and not feeling like I need other people to validate me mm-hmm. because I have to know that I'm pretty and I'm beautiful regardless of what anybody else says. My hair, to your point, does not make who I am. It is not any standard of beauty. It was how I was created. And I'm empowered by it every single day, regardless of if it makes you uncomfortable, regardless if you think differently of me, this is my hair. So that's been a journey for myself, to be honest, just kind of getting comfortable with people looking at me differently because my hair is natural. That's a beautiful statement, Jasmine, because You know, something that you and I have talked about before is being unapologetically natural, you know, celebrating who we are, celebrating the beauty of our hair. And, and, you know, it goes against the grain. It's not just that we're accepting our hair, but we are embracing our hair, Mm -hmm. you know, and if it makes someone else uncomfortable, if they don't respond the way we want them to, because I know the, the experiences that you're referring to. I've dealt with them too. There is a difference in the way that people treat you in the professional world when you are wearing natural hair. Absolutely. I got a question, actually. Okay. So this is for both of you. Do you feel like 2020, there is a change in the view of our natural state? That's a really good question, Brandon. Um, That is a really good question. You know, the way that I look at natural hair is that it it has become a circular movement. We saw this in the 1960s as an act of rebellion so that people say um, an embracing of black pride in the black community. But in 2020, this is just us trying to be our the beautiful people of color we were intended Mm -hmm. to be. And so, you know, I don't look at it as an act of rebellion. I look at it as this is who God intended me to be. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to continue to be molded by European standards of beauty or expectations in the workplace. Absolutely. And I couldn't agree any more with you. I mean, I I echo exactly what you you said. And I would also say that a big part of us as Black people feeling comfortable doing this is that we have been so supportive of each other. When I go into my workplace and I see other Black women with natural hair, it makes me feel more comfortable doing it. And then we can uplift each other to, to, you know, promote and give other Black women confidence to do it in their workplaces. We have that type of sisterhood, I think, now a little tighter than we did back then, where we're kind of sticking together and saying, no, let's let's redefine what beauty looks like. Let's, let's redefine what professionalism looks like in the corporate world. Um, and, and having that camaraderie around you just makes all the difference. You know, Jazz, I really love that point that you mentioned because right now I'm working for a private corporation and I remember going in for the interview and feeling like there was a chance that I might be discriminated against because I was wearing a natural hairstyle. I had Mm -hmm. just done the big chop and I knew that I looked different from what they were expecting. Even, yeah, yeah, it was, it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. It was beautiful, but I was not sure whether that would be the same thought process for those who were interviewing me. And, yeah. you know, someone wise told me as I was preparing to go in for that interview that, you know, if 
if it is not accepted, if you are not accepted, or if your hair is not accepted by this corporation, then that's not a place that you want to work. And so that is the thought process that I embraced. And it's one that I intend to carry with me. I love that. I absolutely love that. And I think you hit on such a good point because there have been times where I've had interviews and I've made sure that I got my weed done right before mm-hmm. because I was afraid that I would not be taken as seriously. I was afraid that they would judge me on how I looked and not what I was bringing to the table. I was afraid that they were going to X me at the very beginning because what they see did not match the voice that they heard on the phone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know what else to do. I'm like, I've come so far in this interview process for it to not work out. So if I have to show up in a way that they expect me to show up, that's what I'm going to do. And at the time, I didn't think if they aren't willing to accept me, this isn't where I want to work. And I think as Black women, that's something that we need to think about is that we should be able to show up as our truest, authentic versions of ourselves. And that is more than enough. And if you do not want to accept that, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, then maybe you are not for me. And still having that confidence as a black woman to walk away and say, I'm still going to be okay. We shouldn't live in a place of desperation. We should live in a place of abundance and knowing that we belong where we're supposed to belong. So I applaud you a hundred percent for having that type of attitude, because I can't even imagine like that takes a lot to show up and say, this is who I am. And if that's not okay, I'll be okay with that. Thank you, Jazz, for sharing that thought. You know, as you were speaking, it came to mind to further address Brandon's question as to whether or not the perception of natural hair has changed in 2020. You know, I I still think that there is a lot of work to be done because anytime we're exposed to the media or some other outlet, there still seems to be a bit of humor attached to wearing a fro. You know, it's it's funny. And when I think back to skits that I've seen, different shows that I've seen, it becomes funny when someone's hair gets wet and it turns into a fro and they suddenly have to run to the hair salon. You know, so so as long as people still find it a sense of comedic relief, it's not okay. I know that we still have more work to do. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think where we are now um, in the world with everything that's going on, this is really a time for us to capitalize on that and to call things out when we see them. You know, before, I'll be honest with you, I didn't feel comfortable calling things out when I saw, you know, microaggressions happening against myself. But now that we're in this movement where people are actually listening and we have a true platform to be heard, the, this is this is now. This is the time to call that out. Like, this is not okay. My hair is not a joke, mm-hmm. right? Like, this is this is who I am. And if you think that this is some type of humor, then you have been sadly mistaken. So, Jazz, can you tell us because we're going to remind listeners that you are a vice president in the HR sector in the Greater New York area. Can you tell us whether or not you have seen issues with this, you know, from an employment perspective or regarding employees? That's actually a really good question. You know, I, racism can look very different. There's overt racism, which, you know, we can easily call out. I think it's right in our faces, but then there's microaggressions that happen where you know that it's racism. You know that it's from 
an ill place, but it's really, really hard to call it out because it could be quote unquote something else. And so a lot of times in the workplace, and I've experienced this myself in prior jobs, is you may not be taken seriously. When you try to speak up in a meeting, you don't have the same opportunity to speak up. Or when you are trying to run a project, for example, and someone finds out you're the project manager and you look a certain way, you could be treated differently because of that. I myself haven't seen any specific cases related to hair. Mm -hmm. However, I know that how our hair looks is a direct correlation with the color of our skin, which is a direct correlation with how we're treated in a professional setting. And and more and more frequently, it's getting harder, I think, to to prove the microaggressions that we deal with on a daily basis. But the more that we become comfortable with it, the more that we become complacent with it, the more it's going to continue to happen. So I think, you know, if we feel something that doesn't feel right, if we know that something that's being done to us is because of the color of our skin or it's because of our hair, call it out. Go to your HR department, speak out about it. Let that person know you feel uncomfortable because if if no one's going to speak up on our behalf, and I think the onus is really on us to go to the correct people and call it out and make sure that your company is behind you and ensuring that this type of behavior is not going to be accepted. Thank you, Jazz, for sharing that. And so we know that, you know, The majority of African-American women are now wearing their natural hair. Can you provide any advice for young girls who still may be having trouble or who are still exposed to European standards of beauty? Do you have any advice for them as they contemplate whether or not they should wear their natural hair? Sure. I mean, I think a big part of this goes hand in hand with society's view of beauty. And I think little girls in the community, the more they see women that look like them, that have their hair textures, the more that they see that that is normal, that is their normal, the more willing they are to accept it. But when you are potentially the only person in your class, you're the only person in your school with the hair texture that's yours, it makes you feel as though something's wrong with you. Mm -hmm. So I encourage, you know, families um, or parents of, you know, little girls to, if they're into Barbie dolls, have Barbie dolls have curly, kinky hair. If, you know, they, when they wake up in the morning, have them look in the mirror and say, I am beautiful. I am black. I am bold. My hair is perfect as it is. I am a queen. I think if we start to kind of get to our youth when they start to understand things at an early age and letting them know that they are beautiful as they are. These are the dolls that look like you. These are the black women with curly, kinky hair that look like you. This is actually a normal, beautiful standard of beauty. The more accepting they become of that and the more they feel like they can stand with everyone else and say, I don't want to have that type of hair. I want to have this type of hair because this is the hair that God gave me and this is the hair that's beautiful on my head. Thank you for sharing, Jazz. Um, and so for all of our listeners, again, this is Jasmine Francis. She is a vice president in the HR sector in the greater New York area. Jazz, we want to thank you for being on yeah, the show today. 
Oh, thank you so much. I enjoyed my time. (laughs) So did we. And so, listeners, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. If you have any questions or just comments that you'd like to make, please email us at askcactuspod at gmail.com. Please subscribe. Thank you. Talk to you soon.